Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy, and you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Henley, and I'm also too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I love watching scary movies, and so I watch them so that you don't have to. And we've got a great one this week, and I'm very excited to get into it. But before we do, did anything scary happen to us this week? Um, I, I had, I didn't even tell you guys not on purpose. I wasn't like saving it for the pod, but um, I had a job interview on what? Tuesday. Wow. I know. I had a job interview and it's sort of like, I wasn't, I haven't, so I graduate in three weeks. By the time this comes out, it'll be like 10 days until I graduate, which is very wild, but I haven't been like actively looking for jobs yet. Um, But this one sort of fell in my lap because of someone I met last year. So anyway, I had this job interview and then we were like communicating after the fact and they they had said, we'll we'll see guys, we'll see. But they they were like, okay, we're gonna be sending you an offer. And I immediately was like, I don't want to work. <laughs> like I was so <laughs> as soon as I was like, whoa, a job. I, I got this panic of like, but um wait, uh I wanna You mean like 40 hours a week? Like, hang how, out. How much and, like wait, Monday here? to Friday? And I'm sorry, I like <laughs> I immediately started just fully panicking about like, no, no, I can't be working. That's not that's not for me. <laughs> so I need to like I need to start wrapping my head around it because I'm very much not prepared. I like do work I do want sucks. to do it, but work also sucks and um, <laughs> work really sucks because they had sucks. been talking about they're like could you potentially start before you graduate like a couple days a week and and the, and the moment i'm always like yeah, yeah yeah whatever you want and then i was like no i don't i'm not ready what did i agree to what did i agree to um and it's also you know i'm i'm just i'm getting accustomed to the fact that you know we'll see if they send me an offer we'll see if i like it we'll see if it sounds good i don't have to take it just because it's offered to me but there's a part of me that's like well you take everything that gets offered to you and you mm-hmm. don't question it and you just like do it mm-hmm. so anyway it's like a real i i'm all of a sudden like oh right i'm doing this now like i went to school to like have a career pivot and i'm like oh but that means you have to work and i'm have like a not career at the i end. haven't like gotten my head around that yet so i guess that's scary fucking responsibility and commitment and time yeah. So much time. They have so much time. time. It's so much time. Most of your time. You don't have time for anything else if you're working. It's honestly such it's such a scam. It's the biggest scam. I was like, my favorite yoga class is Friday mornings. Um, so I can't work Fridays. Like I just was like immediately like this isn't that's not gonna work. This isn't gonna work for me. So we'll see what happens, you guys. I don't know. I don't know. Working so hard. 
It's yeah. hard. Yeah, it's I'm not sorry. right. That is, that is scary. It's inhumane. It's, it's awful. absolutely inhumane. I'm so sorry to anybody who works who has a job. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, oh Lord. What about you guys? Anything scary this week? Well, the only scary thing is that Silas is almost two. He's fully mobile. Obviously, he's running around everywhere, and he's actually been a very cautious child. Um, up until recently where he seems to all of a sudden have figured out that like he can fling himself like downstairs and like see what happens, you know? (laughs) Sure. And, um, just today, just this morning, he climbed up on his stroller and tipped it over so that he landed like face first with a stroller. I, I was literally standing one foot away from him. And I turned around and he was suddenly on the ground, like scream crying, completely fine. Yeah. Absolutely fine. I mean, I mean it, the thing about falling is it's very surprising. And imagine if you're small enough that the like him falling off a stroller face first is like you falling off a building. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's just, it, it would be shocking. Oh, yeah, it definitely was more surprising because we're as tall as buildings. <laughs> <laughs> it was more surprising than anything else. A one story. A one story, a one a one story building. building. A small one story. A small one. A small one. A hut. <laughs> and then another thing that he's been doing is he uh, likes to, when, you know, little small children, they love to have little tiny miniature strollers with little fake babies in them. Oh, yes. sure. And um, he always sees that we don't. He doesn't have his own, but there's always one around, like at the park. <laughs> and jealous. this morning, he took someone's and I asked <gasps> the mom. I was like, well, I was like, oh, so I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And she's like, just let him play with it. It's totally fine. So I was like, okay. And then Sass is careening around the park <laughs> with this little stroller, and I truly, I blink. I open my eyes. He's fallen yet again. <laughs> scream crying. He scraped his both his hands Aww. and his, you know, little fingers, they bleed so much. So he starts bleeding and he starts bleeding on this stranger's. Oh, no. <laughs> miniature stroller. And we're like in Central Park. It's super crowded. I'm trying to like comfort Silas and like wipe the blood off of him. And then also simultaneously like wipe the blood off of this like stranger's stroller. <laughs> Again, Silas is completely fine. He's totally fine. It's just a scrape. It's no big yeah. deal. But um, so for anyone, I'm also currently pregnant. And I was like, how the hell am I going to have a double, two double the amount of children you currently have? I... I I think that it is so many people have more than one. That is very normal. But my God, I would, I don't know how you keep them from like keep them safe. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I I really, you know, you always like make fun of people who have children on leashes, but it's like, yeah, like get this kid a fucking leash. Okay, well, I famously saw actor, character actor, David Dalmatian. I feel like that's his name at CBS with his kid on a leash. And it's all I can think about when I see him in any movie. And he usually plays a pretty creepy character. And I'm like, like, I'm like, I don't know, man. I saw you with your kid on a leash. (laughs) Wait, who is that? I want to Google that. You would absolutely know his face. He's in Prisoners. He's in Dune. Okay. All right. Great. Well, if he does it, then it's fine. Wait, also, my aunt 
had her, my cousin on a leash. This was a long time ago. <laughs> that was pre leashes being hot. Pre, yeah, they were trailblazers. And <laughs> uh, at one point, she was like, oh, I'll take her off, off the leash. It'll be fine. And she ran straight into the pool and, like, she can't swim and immediately, like, was drowning. <laughs> I mean, we it was like all in front of our eyes. It was fine. We went in and got her. But it was like, oh, yeah, she really needs to be on that leash. <laughs> leashes are there for a reason now they make them cute they're like benign they they're they're cute little animal sure. backpacks that have leashes on them but yeah it's uh i don't know <laughs> silas needs to i was i was really taking for granted how caught because he's a very cautious child normally yeah. and um those twos ending. i feel like that's what that's what they say that's, that's what they say about the twos those, those terrible twos you can do it. Good luck. Yeah. It is, <laughs> it, hard good luck. Really it, is, it is the craziest. It's I mean, it's like the fact that people do it doesn't mean it's not impossible and and insane. Like I was just talking to my sister about this and she's like, it's OK. It's talking about how hard it is to have two kids. I mean, she's surviving. You know, she's been doing it for a while now. But uh, she was like, I shouldn't complete like a lot of people. People do this all the time. I'm like, that doesn't mean it's not insane. Just because other people do this really, really, really difficult thing doesn't mean it's all of a sudden easy. It's very hard. I know. Yeah. Sammy, anything scary? Yes. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I had a pretty scary week, to be honest with you. Emily saw me get the worst blister of my life on my toe last night. Oh, it was bad. But on your toe. Yeah, I was wearing some new shoes and took off a full layer of skin. <gasps> new shoes on a on an evening walk. Yeah. Don't recommend. But that's not what I'm gonna talk about. So I also <laughs> yesterday went to I am getting a, a tattoo removed. So I went for my fourth session of laser tattoo removal. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. went to a new place because um I feel like the kind of laser they were using at the last place isn't the best type of laser for the uh ink uh, color of ink that I have um so anyway so I went to a new place and I go in and the woman does does it uses the laser goes over it it was like not painful at all which I know is not correct because it's supposed to be incredibly painful (laughs) and she looks at it afterwards and is like huh Usually it like your skin turns white after. I'm like, yeah, I know this is my fourth session like that. I didn't feel that at all. And she was like, hmm, OK, I'll turn it up a little bit and like did it again. And still really nothing happened. I was like, still okay. not really feeling that. And like, you should know this. And she's like, hmm, I'll turn it up again, I guess. And like <gasps> keeps turning it up and like oh doing it again. And then my skin's just getting red now because it's just getting like lasered over and over and she's like ah. she's like i think we should stop i was like yeah probably and what she's like uh she's like well now we know that we need to start at a higher number next time and i was like yeah was it uh, yeah, first time, time you, crazy that you didn't know that to begin with um so i think i really really wasted a tattoo removal session which are expensive yeah so, I, can you i feel like sh- you didn't she, she did didn't it for free. do it. Yeah. yeah. We got a call and demand a refund. How did you find this place? I'm not, I don't like this place. I, I don't like this place any, I, either. If anyone has any um good Pico Way 
laser recommendations for the Los Angeles area, please let me know. I did see your arm was 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 red. I mean, it's supposed to it usually looks a little red after. But yeah, it was like a different type of red, which we'll see. Maybe going over it a bunch of times with a lower level laser is better than one time with a high level sure. laser. We'll see. I don't know. But it was really weird just being in a medical procedure where they're like, hmm, I don't know huh. what's Let's happening. Let's mess around. <laughs> does not inspire confidence you put so much power in the hands of those people i'm like i trust you to do whatever the hell you're doing because you're the expert and it's like i feel like this is wrong but i don't know what, what where is the line like, for me to speak asking up. me what i want she's like do you think higher <laughs> do you think we should do higher i'm like i feel like that shouldn't be up to me but yes, because I can't feel it. And I know that I'm supposed to be able to feel it. She's like, yeah, uh, mm, yeah, we'll go a little higher. Oh, I really don't like that, Samia. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh That's making God, me was... very uncomfortable. Yeah, um, it was not great. But, you know, it'll it'll be fine. It was more just annoying. Looking How many sessions it does it take? Um, it can take a lot. I mean, it depends. It's different for everybody. And the colors and the sizes all impact it. But um. A friend with a similar tattoo to mine, it took 14 sessions. And this is Holy my fourth, shit. So, That's yeah. a real time commitment and expensive. And it's very expensive and incredibly painful. It's painful during, again, it's not a lingering pain. And this one didn't hurt at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, oh, no. Anyways, I did another scary thing this week, which was watch this week's movie, which is Don't Look Now, came out in 1973. Mm. Directed by Nicholas Roeg, written by Alan Scott and Chris Bryant, based on the story by Daphne du Maurier, starring Julie Christie, Donald Sutherland, Hilary Mason, and Clelia Matania, and it is available to rent on VOD. And this week, we are very blessed to be joined by <laughs> writer and playwright Will Arbery. Welcome, Will. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi, Will. Thank you so much for coming on. Yay. We're so happy to have you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did anything scary happen to you this week? Do you have any tattoos removed? Have any um, (laughs) small children fall downstairs? Um, None of those. I don't have any tattoos, nor do I have any children. But one day I might have both. I've thought about both. (laughs) Okay, well, now you have the info you need. When yeah, you're... you have all the information. <laughs> you have exactly. all the information you need. Exactly. Everything you need children. to know. Don't read a book. Don't ask anybody else. <laughs> um, what I do have is a real fear of rats. And um, I was trying to think, you know, what when, when, when did I feel fear this week? And I remembered that the most fear I felt was last night when my girlfriend and I took an edible and we went to a restaurant, like the best burger in Brooklyn or whatever. And I saw this very, very large rat. So I used to have rat, like I used to have a particular rat that tormented me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like I had a rat bully in Texas where I grew up. We had this like rat infestation at one point, Texas, you know, anything goes. And we had this rat infestation and everything's so we were, bigger in Texas. So these are big. Oh, rats. even the rats. <laughs> I had this one rat that would come into my room and like 
deliberately mess with me. At and night. how did you know it was the same rat? Did he have I, like a very specific kind of little face or what was going on with this guy? So I never, I would only hear it and it would like, it mm. would like do things in my room. I, I can only imagine it just had a personal vendetta <laughs> get me against me. Like it would, the most, like the most vivid would be, I can only describe this noise as like it was pushing a coin across the f- hardwood floor with its nose. Oh my gosh, I'm picturing what? like the rat from Cinderella or something. I know, like, I'm like, I, to me that's really cute. <laughs> no. He was making a little dress. So it was trying to give you money? <laughs> no, it was tormenting me. There was nothing cute about it. <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't want to say, but I love rats. <laughs> I'm so yeah when people think rats are cute I just I can't that's one thing I just can't I have a, not, a lot of imaginative capabilities but that's not something I can imagine <laughs> <laughs> yeah can't you wrap there. can't wrap your head around it I just can't do it some people fucking love rats and I mean I'm sorry Gus Gus ratatouille <laughs> the list goes on but wouldn't you call Gus Gus a mouse? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you categorize him oh, as a mouse? Yeah, it's a mouse. Gus Gus might be a mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are mice. Ratatouille is a rat. That's a rat. <laughs> That's a rat. It's right <laughs> there in the rat. Name. That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, Will and I went to college together, and well, you remember William Hughes, who is oh, yeah. in my class at Kenyon. So sophomore year at Kenyon. William had something called Ratlantis in his dorm room and he made um, a fucking like mansions out of cardboards for his pet rats. No. And he had full on on like rats in his room as pets at Kenyon. Can you imagine anything more? And can you imagine anything scarier? Sophomore year too. Sophomore year, the bleakest year. It is the bleakest year. It really is. Just picture that in old Kenyon, his dorm room in old Kenyon. No, it's already so scary there. It's, <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's known to be haunted, and now he's adding rats into the mix. That's terrible. Oh Isn't my that god. terrible? Oh my Isn't god. That's so bad. <laughs> Wait, so a rat was tormenting you again at, last at a night? restaurant? Well, it wasn't tor- so uh, maybe this is a sort of psychological warfare that this particular app was well i did i felt sort of yeah so but what it was is like we were sitting outside and we were sort of under one like overhang area covered area and then there was like this like other area that was enclosed that like five tables were in and i saw the biggest rat i've ever seen in new york like at first i thought it was like a mongoose or something it was so big it was so bad <laughs> but it was like but it ran into the little covered area uh-huh and remember i was like also on an edible yeah, you're, so. you're taking an edible that's a terrible yeah. situation to be in so i saw like the first table like jumping me like oh my gosh <gasps> no. and then i like expected this is kind of an anticlimactic story but i sort of expected I expected to see more tables jumping because I, from what I could see, there was nowhere for the rat to go. It was like a completely enclosed thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see like a lot of cracks or like places for it to, Mm -hmm. and it was huge. So I was like, oh my God, this is going to be terrifying. All these people are going to feel this rat under there. And I was watching it closely. I wasn't looking anywhere else, but it just (laughs) never happened. They were sort of like, oh, 
and then kind of moved on. And then I was just for a long time obsessing over when. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, which is its own kind of horror, you know, like (laughs) the spirit never manifests. Yeah. And so then, and so I really was really watching this for much too long. And then nothing happened. And I just found that very disturbing because Tension I don't with know. no release. Yeah, no release. Yeah. Where did that rat go? And then what does that mean? Was the rat just sitting know. under that table all night, you know? I have no idea where that rat went. I don't it really it have really... you checked your bags and things like that? <laughs> oh, you Sammy, that's so bags? mean. Sorry, I'm sorry. Sammy, that's so mean. <laughs> Those boxes behind you. Oh, no, oh, no, I've gone too far. Yeah, I'm making a face. I'm, I'm crossing my arms and making a face. Yeah. Uh, you know what that reminds me of? What? <laughs> Did you guys ever do um, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids oh, thing at God. Disney World where they make it feel like a rat like Will, crawls don't behind do your, your no, seat? Not, I don't want to. It's just air, but I hate it. I hate it. Oh, my God. And that, everybody like jumps up because there's like, like feels like there's a little. I'm sorry. This is like we invited you here. No, it's You've okay. taken your time and we're just <laughs> making you think about rats. No, it's OK. That's exactly the thing that I started to feel like would happen because the one place you can't see is behind you. And I was like, oh, my God, it's right. going to find a way to crawl up this the back oh. of my shirt which is you know the probably oh. the biggest fear is that it would that be, would yeah. be ve- that would be very bad a rat up, yeah. the, up my back i really that 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 plagues me have you ever seen the movie yeah. willard no no i can't why why have you seen it you should stay away from that movie <laughs> i know but i did see it i did watch it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's crispin glover and just like thousands of rats right yep. oh no yep yep is that where the fear like came from is there or no the fear came from the rat in your room pushing money across the floor towards you (laughs) the cat start uh, the rat starting a little bank account exactly i don't i don't like when they do that yeah (laughs) they start opening their own credit cards savings it's come on what are you saving for i don't like it oh god your own rat lantis (laughs) thank you I did watch Willard. I don't know. You should talk about that movie at some point with someone. Okay. Because because it's it's up there with the the most unpleasant things I've ever seen with my eyes. Right. <laughs> with wow. I'll, I'll add it yeah. to the list. I'm wow. Yeah. I'm interested. Um yeah. and yeah, speaking of horror movies, what what is your relationship with horror movies in general? Other than Willard, because we know how you feel about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I really love horror movies. I would, I, you know, it's like, I grew up very Catholic, um, with a lot of sisters and Mm. there's like a lot of ghost stories in my family that have been passed down and sort of cherished and preserved like real things that happened, experiences that, you know, sisters share, like remember when this happened and they're actually genuinely terrifying stories. And so I feel like it's like my inheritance in a way to love horror and this kind of like gothic, you know, this gothic horror, like ghosts in particular. I love ghosts. Um, Mm. um, But yeah, I feel like I'm part of what I want to do in my life is make a movie. And I think my first film would be a horror movie. I've started working on it. It's definitely (gasps) going to be a horror. So I, I love them. I, I, I love them on like a like a, a deep soul level. Yeah, mm-hmm. they s- seem like such good movies f- 
for filmmakers too. There's so much room for creativity and like exploration of really cool themes. I feel like that's why we love horror is some really cool talent comes to make horror movies. You can like take such, such risks and be so inventive. The like rules are so much bigger than in other genres. Totally. And studios are still making them. They're actually making horror movies. Right. And they're like always popular and can yeah. be much cheaper to make. And yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's a way to like, if you have something really true that you're trying to say as an artist and mm-hmm. you want to try to get that really true thing out into the world without it being excessively like dreary, you know, uh-huh. giving a little bit of a horror kick to it i think makes it instantly more entertaining and appealing to people just like the movie today we're talking about is very much about like a kind of dreary topic which is like grief over the grief of the death of your child but it somehow manages to make that extremely um tense and and entertaining Mm um so yeah i found like i write plays too and like when I was like writing this play about some very personal stuff, it just started becoming this like wild ghost story. Not because I was like, Ooh, that'll be more appealing to people, but just because like the the truth of what these things felt like when I was trying to like capture like some really scary feelings, it just, yeah, it came out as horror tropes, you know? Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that way a lot that it's a way to heighten the emotions to like the way that they feel when you're experiencing them. Cause seeing someone just, you know, be experiencing, I mean, it can, you know, depending, it can be powerful, but when you add that either supernatural element or like something that just takes it to a heightened degree, it's, I feel like closer to the real feeling, uh, depicting that real feeling of like, it feels mm-hmm. like the worst thing in the world is happening and it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense and it doesn't feel of our natural world sometimes like people shouldn't feel this bad and you know so i i totally i get that yeah. so mm. i like it was there any like movie you can recall like as a kid or even like coming of age a horror movie that you were like oh my god this is like i'm locked in i love this movie or that like really really scared you yeah, I mean, I remember like being a little little kid and seeing, and seeing like the original It on TV. Ooh, um, yeah, um, yes. like with Tim Curry as the clown, and like I was yes. forever scared of you know like um, water gutters or whatever. Like, gutters, so, yes, yeah, me too. On the side me of the too. Street. <laughs> like I would sprint past them. I couldn't look at them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was such a terrifying image that scared yeah, the that, shit I mean, out of me a, as well. Especially because it's like it happens to a kid. You're yeah. like, that's me. That, that could to, happen to me. Yeah, right. I love playing outside. I love making little boats and putting them in the water. Like that. It was. Who it doesn't? Was, yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one. Yeah. That that was like the, that's probably the earliest memory of being really really scared. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a little bit about this movie. Some stats about Don't Look Now. It has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 95% on Metacritic. Really oh. rare that Metacritic is higher than Rotten Tomatoes. Probably, this is probably the highest rated movie I feel like we've ever done. 7.1 well, on IMDb, but IMDb is kind of a rogue. Right you know, it does what yeah. it, they do whatever they want over there. <laughs> they do whatever the hell they want. Uh, <laughs> budget was $1.3 million. It made 114000 So, Oh, my God. You know, 
not the most lucrative film ever made, but it's a wow. uh, a, a very it's a classic, celebrated, right? respected cr- classic. Yeah, it's in the Criterion Collection. It's in the Thousand One Films to see you, see before you die. British Film Institute rated it the number eight best British film of all time. Wow. Time ranked it the 18th best film overall of all time. And to relate back to it, I just wrote, this is in the IMDb trivia and it made me laugh. This is Tim Curry's favorite horror movie. <laughs> <What>? oh. <laughs> oh, I like That's that. so random. It just says it's Tim, Tim Curry. Tim Curry added that one in. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's user submitted, so he's like, I'll put this in there. I like it. <laughs> um, and then just some personal trivia. I think I've spoken before about my first kind of introduction into the world of horror, which was in college. I Not first introduction, but what hooked me was in college, I took one of those weekend classes where you go and... In this one, it was an an eight-hour day on a Saturday, and we just watched horror movies. And then on Sunday, you had to write a paper about them. And so, and you'd get a, a one unit. And so I took that horror film class on a weekend, and we watched The Descent, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Don't Look Now. Ooh, and God, what a day. It was a really formative day for me i feel like yeah a triple feature my goodness yeah wow yeah and we've talked so about this is the, the last one yeah we yeah. talked about the descent a lot and we've talked about texas chainsaw massacre a lot but yep. we've never talked about don't look now <gasps> we're yeah. finishing mm-hmm. up sammy's day yep. yeah mm-hmm. we're coming yeah. Full very exciting i never even heard of this movie me either yeah well had you seen it before you hadn't right i had i had seen it yeah i saw it a oh, long you had time seen ago it. okay yeah, yeah. But i, I there's one like extremely memorable thing that happens at the very end that I remembered, but other than that, I hadn't. Same. I really kind of cool. I kind of had forgotten a lot of it also, and I was happy to rewatch it because it's very good, and it's very good in terms of, uh, especially the editing. And as an editor, it's like really cool to see how it, it did pretty inventive editing things for the time, and I feel like. I appreciate it now more than I appreciated it then. So I was happy to mm-hmm. see it with this current perspective. Yeah. The editing is pretty inspired. Like I, yeah. I, I feel like it's maybe been imitated a lot, but I, I, mm-hmm. I think maybe not well because it, um, it kind of, it works. I mean, it's also the filmmaker kind of has this editing style that, can be a little jarring. It's like always like five steps ahead of you and, yep. and, um, and playing with time a lot. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, yeah, it works so, cool. so well for the specific like subject matter that, yeah, it's, it really holds up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited yeah. to hear about it. Yeah. I Ooh. love when we do it, we cover a movie that will is a good and B that I've never heard about. Like I, I truly have no idea what I'm about to experience and that's like a very exciting feeling I know, i'm scared you're scared I'm stressed. <laughs> <laughs> let's watch this trailer and then let's get into it Ooh. hey 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 laura what on earth was that john it was christine christine is dead laura You're sad. You're so sad and there's no need to be. 
I've seen her. My sister's psychic. You can't contact people, can you? She's trying to get in touch with us. music is great wow we very 70s that hair on donald sutherland my oh my if you can believe it Mm. oh Oh, Mm -hmm. that gorgeous head of hair yep i would never have known (laughs) me neither i'm gonna be focusing on the toupee (laughs) the whole time um this looks extremely her hair is incredible too and all of her outfits i want like everything that she wears in this movie yes Mm. really really great costumes can you even believe the lengths women had to go to to make their hair look like the way that it looked for so long until recently i mean you were expected to have full like curly huge hair for a long time or just like any kind of fancy hair for a long time (laughs) expected to have some fancy you were really expected to have fancy hair you were excited to have fancy hair it was like the norm wow i that looks really good also i'm like i'm sorry yeah i feel like this is a textbook (laughs) kid stuff (laughs) (laughs) but that trailer really you know it really if the movie is more of a slow burn i would say than that movie Mm. that trailer Mm. presents it as Mm. yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yep yeah Mm. yeah it looked gorgeous. Like it just like was so lovely to watch. Are they in Venice? They're in Venice. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Shall we? Shall we get? It? It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet, so you get a box of the market's best quality wines however often you'd like for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County. And they've been around for 10 years and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker. So you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website. And put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's a hundred dollars off and less than seven dollars per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time. 
That's nakedminds.com slash too scary code and password too scary for a hundred dollars off your first six bottles. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Into it? We shall. Yes, let's, I, I really want to hear about it. Let's do it. Okay, so it starts in, not Venice, it starts in like the English countryside. And instantly the editing is very sort of disorienting. It's like going between this little girl who's wearing a red raincoat. It's really important Mm -hmm. that she's wearing a red raincoat. And she's Mm -hmm. playing and it's raining. And, or no, maybe it's not raining. I can't remember. But like, there's like, and there's like a man humming and like a boy on a bicycle. And like, like, it's just like, it's like fast cuts between these different things. And you're sort of trying to orient yourself. And then her, her brother's riding his bike and sort of getting closer and her parents. So then we go into the house, into this cottage and her parents are Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, and they're working on something. And there's a lot of like backs of heads. So at first, Mm. like we see Donald Sutherland, but we only see the back of Julie Christie's head and they're working on something. And he's working with a projector and looking at things in the projector. And there's this picture of this like church with a little, what, what seems to be his daughter in a red raincoat sitting in a pew, but maybe it's not his daughter, but it's the same raincoat. And so we're like, what's going on there? And he's looking at it. <laughs> I'm already getting exhausted, like trying to recount this, because it's very hard <laughs> to capture the, the feel of it. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. so, it's, it's all so like quick unique. images. Yeah. But not like, it doesn't feel like it's rushed either. It's like, you really sit in an image and then suddenly you're out of it. Mm. And uh-huh. it's not like the fast editing that we're used to today. Like shots are really lingering but then gone at the yeah moment you're you just like stopped. not sure what through line you're following you're just yeah. like being presented with things yeah and he's not and the filmmaker's not trying to um it seems like he's deliberately trying to disorient you mm. okay mm-hmm. but anyway then the the boy on the bike rides his bike over like a pane of glass Mm-hmm. or something or like a mirror or something and it shatters and he falls off the bike and then that makes the girl drop her ball in the pond and then <laughs> Sammy I need help <laughs> I so need help. then Donald Sutherland his name's John so John is looking at this slide of the back of someone in the little little red raincoat and either drop of water or something falls on it that causes this red streak to spread across the slide looks almost like blood and he looks like he has this like moment of realization and panic come across his face and he gets up without saying anything to his wife runs outside and finds his daughter Christine drowned in the pond and it's like this very dramatic 
slow motion, him running into the mm-hmm. pond and pulling her out, cradling her and like scream crying. Yeah. But we as an audience are, are like, how did he know that that happened? Yeah, that's very confusing. Yeah, he's running outside right as, and like his son is running towards him like, dad, dad. Like, you know, because the son saw this happen, I guess. And and his, the sound mm. that he makes is extremely like animal. It's like, Whoa. Whoa. it's like so. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It very... makes me think of the the scene in Midsummer when she's crying. And it's like, I can't, I'll never get that sound out of my Ooh, bones. Yeah. It's just right. like that kind of grief cry is <gasps> right, right. very upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. And some tri- trivia about this scene is that the little girl, they had practiced in a pool and she was fine with it and then come day of filming she like absolutely freaked out and refused to do it in the pond and so (laughs) they had to do it in the pool and like cheat it and they used three different little girls because all of them kept getting too scared to do this scene (gasps) oh my god and just um you know more proof that children shouldn't be actors you know Right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Look, That's I'm not prepared idea. to have a job, uh, and I'm an adult. Yeah, let's not make kids work. <laughs> let's not make kids do it. And also, like, do work where you have to pretend like you're you were drowning. Hey, pretend you've drowned. Lie in this pond. <laughs> pretend while you're a dead. man screams and holds you. <laughs> <laughs> and would we say hot dad? I think it's a hot dad. Probably yeah. we would say it. Yeah. We would say yeah. it. Yeah. I would say so. I'm a big Donald Sutherland fan. I think yeah. he's one of the best actors to ever live. I really do. He's so good and he's so good in this movie. Have you seen Moonfall? <laughs> I have seen Moonfall. <laughs> I watched Moonfall on a plane. I was like, it what was is great. Donald Sutherland doing <laughs> it's in this movie? a great way to do it. He kills it though. He's so he good. He's great. he's great. And honestly, Moonfall made me laugh. There was a few lines in it that made me laugh harder than most other movies so you know worth it for that totally wait that's the one where the moon's actually falling right correct that's the plot of the entire movie <laughs> yeah that's right well <laughs> it's in it's inhabited by aliens who are really humans from another time yeah there's more to it than it's not so simple henley yeah. <laughs> but that's the that's the basic uh that's what they want you to think it's a little more nuanced <laughs> but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so then julie christie eventually moseys outside and then moseys she, outside she really does she's like do, 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 and then she comes out and sees what's going on and she lets out a blood curdling scream <gasps> and we kind of smash cut to venice right yep mm-hmm. and some amount of time has clearly passed and okay we don't know we don't know how much time not really sure how much the time they're in a in a restaurant well i think maybe we get some out some views of the city first to get our bearings but we find out that john has been hired to like restore an old church and so they've moved there for the length of this you know the contract or whatever getting away and all of the descriptions that i've read of it are are you know saying how how grieved Julie Christie is in this moment and how completely devastated she is, which obviously she is, but I think they look pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad you said that. Cause I have the same, I had the same reaction when I read like recaps of it. I yeah. Like, she didn't seem that like, 
I think she, maybe I've just seen so many like marriage torn apart by grief movies that I'm a little desensitized to the plot now. And I'm like, I don't know. I've seen worse. I was like, they seem pretty happy on it. They seem like a pretty. Well, compared to possession. Right. They seem like a pretty solid couple. And they like, I feel like totally. they're supportive of each other and like kind to each mm-hmm. other almost the entire time. Absolutely. You sort of instantly get this feeling like, oh, these people are really good at dealing with the grief of a dead child. Like they mm-hmm. are not going to. Yeah, they're not going to get divorced. They've like had some really honest They've, conversations. Like, worked through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. I'm, I'm happy for them. Yeah. And I bet it'll stay that way forever. <laughs> and the little boys around, he's hanging out. We don't, so I was a little, I couldn't remember what happened to the little boy. At this point, we don't know. So we won't answer that yet. Okay. Okay. Right. Got it. Got it. Right. Right. But yeah, they're in a restaurant and, uh, you know, doing some, some work. And there are two women at a table near them. And why do they notice the two women? I can't remember. Maybe it doesn't matter. Because they're kind of like staring. Oh, one of them has something in their eye, I think, at one point. And so Julie Christie, her name is Laura. Laura gets up and goes to help them. And basically, I I know she's like helping her get something out of her eye. She's like, let me take you to the take you to the bathroom, help you get this out of their eye. Because they're kind of going like, oh, ow, ow, ow. (laughs) (laughs) And so she goes to the bathroom with them to help this woman get something out of her eye. And at first, the other woman that she's with is trying. But then we see that this woman is blind. And so she's like, you can't like, can this woman help me instead? And so she she helps her. And the ladies are so they're very thankful and gracious. And they're they're kind of funny little like um, uh, talkative, chatty, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much! This is so kind! Like, thank you!" And <laughs> but it's also like I, w- I will say that also like the reveal of her blindness is really used as a bit of a jump scare. <laughs> like, yeah, like when they show Ooh. her face and show her eyes, yep, um, it's supposed to be like a little scary. I think like and, a little unsettling. Yeah, and this is a movie that uses the fact of disability as a jump scare a couple a couple of key times i would say interesting yeah yep yeah doesn't age well necessarily yeah yeah but it's also you know the character and the character is really cool like there's a lot it's not just that i loved her sure this is hillary mason plays her now what was her name i can't remember but um she's i feel like incredible in this so Mm -hmm. she looks uh the blind woman looks at Laura and says, you're so sad. You're so sad. And you don't have to be. Oh, they have the, the like queen British accent. You don't have to be. Very hippie. You, you could be hippie. You could be hippie. <laughs> you don't have to be so sad. <laughs> <to> be sad. <laughs> no, don't. Um, but this scene is actually quite heartbreaking. She's smiling at her and she's looking at her through the mirror. So the, the, the shot like mm. structure, the composition is really cool because she's looking at her through this mirror and she's saying, you're you're so sad and you don't need to be. Um, she's happy. She's laughing. And she's saying this about her daughter. And mm. obviously this really 
cuts to the core of Laura. She's like really like clutching her chest oh. and like, oh, like what? And she's saying, I see her. She's sitting between you and your husband and she's laughing. She's laughing. She's laughing. She's so happy. This is a great impression. This is an extremely <laughs> accurate impression. It's a real specialty. She's so great. I mean, she was, she's, yeah, excellent. Again, like I said in this film, I really loved her. And, um, so at first it looks like Laura's maybe ups- upset by this just because it's so emotionally, it's yeah. rocking her. And so, but then we see that she's actually into it and she's like, please tell me more. What, like, what else did right. you see? And her, the woman's sister explains, oh, she, you know, has second sight. Sometimes she sees things. And wow, it's just, it's a lot for Laura to process. And mm-hmm. she's obviously, um, you know, still grieving but but excited by the possibility of being able to communicate with christine her daughter and um she faints at at one point oh she go, oh she like leaves the bathroom with them and um goes back to the table and faints collapses by the intensity of what she's just experienced she's overwhelmed Mm. passes out a very dramatic fall onto the table in the middle Mm -hmm. of the restaurant table falls over Mm. all the dishes break and she is taken to the hospital but she's not hurt it just she's just um you got to do a checkup on somebody who does a big faint yeah and then she tells 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 john what happened and he's you know he's less excited yeah. <laughs> you know, he wasn't there. He didn't see it. Yeah. So he doesn't really get it. And he's also, you know. And all he knows is his wife came back and had a massive faint in the middle of the restaurant and is maybe sort of like, oh, I don't love this. Yeah. Yeah. And the woman did say, we saw her say that she saw the red raincoat, mm. which, you know, Laura never said that. So she did say some mm-hmm. details that would be seemingly impossible for her to know so we're we're kind of yes. believing it but i John knew her name too i feel not. like like she's saying christine mm, yeah yeah like she, yeah but the thing that's different like laura insists that she feels really good she's like i feel i feel great honestly i feel much better like it's seen and she's she's smiling radiantly like it really seems like there's mm. been this like whatever just happened was very it it lifted something off of her yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, okay yeah Mm -hmm. well it's like a i mean it would be like a salve to find out that the person who passed is happy i mean that's Mm -hmm. all you really want to know yeah Yeah. so she told her exactly what she probably wants to hear yeah and so then so then the movie ends yeah, so then roll credits. That's so nice. Beautiful story. She heard what she wanted to hear, and that's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> so John's like very happy to see this shift in his wife, but you know, maybe less on board with the uh mm-hmm. psychic woman. But you know, either way, he's like, oh, oh you know, whatever, whatever works for, works you. for yeah. you. They go home from the hospital. And they're getting ready to go to dinner and they have the sexiest sex scene. (laughs) It's so intense. Um, And this sex scene was, um, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but like it was censored from a lot of uh, versions Mm -hmm. of the product, like uh, prints of this Mm -hmm. film and had to be Mm -hmm. um, cut down to get whatever the rating they wanted. But um, 
What I think what's like actually so amazing about this scene is that for a long time before they actually start having sex, they're just naked in their little Italian apartment. Yep. And they're like doing work and chatting and like brushing their <gasps> teeth and like, but they're just completely naked in the most naturalistic way. Yes. Like the exact I love that. way that it is when you're with your partner and like, he's like doing like work at his little desk and the maid comes in he's like, oops, you know, and it's like, <laughs> like so there's this long prologue before. Yes, it before, does. I mean, it feels, yeah. and that's part of, I feel like that why I'm nice. like, they feel like a truly like happy couple for a, a real a couple. lot of this. Very real. Yeah. yeah. Very real. God, I just, I mean, I know I understand why it happens. And from like thinking about an acting perspective, I'm like, I, it does make sense that you shouldn't just have to be, naked on camera but nothing drives me crazier than in a movie in a sex scene the woman's like wearing a tank top the whole time right. it's like act like absolutely not <laughs> like mm-hmm. especially right. when it's like oh I, i'm trying to think about there's something i just watched where it's like there oh it was beef and ali wong's character is wearing a tank top the whole time she's having like crazy sex with this guy. and i'm like no <laughs> Yeah. No. <laughs> I know. But you I, would be naked. But and it bothers are, me. It's yeah, it's, it goes both ways, right? Where it's like, yeah, totally understand. Uh, but yeah. it's also like yeah. I don't think we she really have to. No, 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 of course not. And also I think a lot of people are put in really uncomfortable situations before we had intimacy coordinators, which is a very yeah. recent thing. But I also think that like we don't really have that many sex scenes anymore that are realistic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Doesn't really happen as often. Yeah. This is like probably the most realist, like the most accurate portrayal of, of partnership that I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. and it like retains its freshness. Like there's so much about mm. this movie that feels incredibly fresh still. Yeah. Yeah. And this was Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland's first scene they filmed together. <laughs> no. Stop it. Okay. Well, that feels Stop wild. It. Definitely pre-intimacy coordinators. I mean, I think yeah. um, both of them had overall a fine time working on this film there's a little bit of actors rights violations coming up a little later uh, but we'll get there i mean they must have trusted each other <laughs> like the two it of was them, their first I time meeting but what well, yeah, who thinks that's a good idea not, they had not oh met and the director wanted to get this over with and thought that it would like get it over create with that intimacy for the rest of the film which you know that maybe that's one way to do it that's one get way it over with <laughs> But it is acting is so crazy that you are just like, well, yeah, nice to meet they you. They obviously did a great job. That's their first day meeting each other. They really did a great job. It's quite a uh, memorable Convincing. sex scene, a sex scene for the books. Really, I'm just gonna look up that wow. sex scene after this. Yeah, I mean, we'll be doing some research. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be forming my own opinion. Um. <laughs> what's um, what's especially interesting about it is that he cuts between their lovemaking and them getting ready. Oh, yes. I loved that. So it'll just be like an intimate shot of him like licking a nipple and then it's like them brushing their teeth and then... Oh, cool. Oh, that's very cool. Putting on their socks. Yeah, like it's really interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And so then after they have sex, they get ready. They go to their dinner that they are uh, um, have planned for the evening. And I'm so sorry to do this, Will, but I have... In my notes, cute rat. (laughs) Oh Ah! my god, what? There's a cute rat in this film? 
Well, watch no. it out. I remember the rat. I didn't find it cute. No, not cute. <laughs> we'll just say rat. They see. They no. do see a rat. But you know what? It's not important to the plot. Let's just blow past that. Uh, who cares? Uh, who cares? I locked it out completely. I completely. Yeah, it didn't happen. Happened. Yeah, they get no a little deal. lost in the in the streets of Venice. A lot of uh, walking down the tight little alleyways, and um, it does look like an easy city to get lost in and mm-hmm. he stops in one particular location and looks like he has kind of a deja vu and he says i know this place mm-hmm. and she's telling him this isn't this isn't it this is not where the restaurant is like it's not here and he looks like confused but we don't really know what's um going through his mind and then we hear a loud scream coming from somewhere and turns and looks and sees a little red raincoat someone in a little red raincoat run uh, across the alleyway somewhere in the distance oh god here we go yeah and did we sort of forget that there was like a like early when we first meet them in venice there's like a body there's a when we first see them, there's a body that's recovered in the canal. Yeah, I couldn't remember when that happens, but yes, mm. we at some point learn there's some li- like serial killer on the loose. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh no! Ooh, I, I don't know why something about like a serial killer in Venice in particular is like really freaky to me. Oh yeah, all the water. I don't know. I don't. I don't like the it. Water, You're basically the in the narrow. ocean. Yeah. The narrow, you know? the narrow alleys and the shadows, the way the light plays. A lot but, yeah. of shadows and everything's old, you know. And such mm-hmm. a, it's like such a specific or intentional rather and incredible choice to have them be in Venice after their daughter has drowned. Like that's drowned? the trauma that they're right. recovering from. And they go to a city famous for having water everywhere. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Much, there's more water in that city than probably any other yeah. city. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the water to city ratio, unbelievably, unbelievably high. high. <laughs> so they have that moment of of confusion of what was that scream? What was the person in the red raincoat? Was that? Did I imagine that? And but they eventually find the restaurant they were intending to go to and just proceed with their evening as planned <laughs> but Lori, Lori, is that the wife's name laura laura. Yeah. laura she didn't see anything right she didn't see the okay. did she hear the scream she heard the scream okay okay i believe but did not see right what john saw the raincoat okay yeah so you're sort of starting to get the feeling like okay john's little john's grief you know he's haunted too mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. he shouldn't be so skeptical about his wife talking to these ladies because like he's obviously you know got yeah. some unresolved hauntings uh, yeah. At least that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the next day, even more like quotidian spookiness because like the, he's doing the church restoring and like he's working with these gargoyles up, like carrying them up the church side and like, mm. you know, you just feel like, oh, something's going to fall. He's going to. Yeah, it all looks risky. Yeah. It's so it's like this can't be the best way. This is all, yeah. where I start thinking also about actors' rights violations. I'm like, in 1973, we're just doing this for real. It looks like, and like, yeah, <laughs> there's something a little again a little later, but um, oh boy. 
yeah, it looks dangerous and it looks actually probably dangerous in the filming of it as well. Mm. Totally. And there's like a, there's like a bishop, right? There's like, they're talking to a, a man of the cloth and, you know, mm-hmm. you're just sort of like, Ooh, what's he doing? And it starts to get spooky and Catholic <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yes. There's just kind of like an air of distrust, I guess, in the air. You're, ju- you're it's like just, a little ominous. Yeah. Everyone seems a little creepy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And also they made the decision for anytime anyone's speaking Italian to not put subtitles on it to oh. add to that feeling of kind of disorientation like of, yeah. of am I, what are they saying? I mm-hmm. and, and they both speak Italian. I think John speaks more Italian than Laura, but neither of them are super, super fluent, but they like can right. get by. But as a viewer, we're not sure, you know, what people are saying at times. And so it just adds to a mm-hmm. feeling of suspicion. And then Laura's kind of watching him work. And then she sees the two little old sisters. She's like, oh, there's my friends. And <laughs> she runs over to talk to them. I looked it up and their names are Wendy and Heather. Heather is the one with the second sight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Laura goes off with the sisters or she asks John if she can go off with, go hang out with the sisters. Yeah. They basically invite her over for tea or something. And she, and she wants to invite John as well. Cause she wants him to see what she has. See, yeah. See, what she, see yeah. what's up, see what she's saying. And somewhere in here, as they're talking, there's moments of the two sisters laughing, almost cackling, kind of intercut. Yeah, what was that? With their discussion. So there's these moments where we'll get flashes of things that seem to uh, not make sense in what we've seen so Hmm. far but that again add to this ominous feeling of like if you see these two sisters cackling as they're at act or deciding that we're gonna go over there it's like are they planning something evil and uh Mm -hmm. yeah at this particular point having just met this this bishop and like and seeing them cackle like that i really started started to feel like oh because i didn't remember what exactly went down in this movie so Mm -hmm. like oh there's gonna be something there's gonna be like a cult and I don't know mm-hmm. there's like yeah. some some sort of demonic I don't I don't remember but oh my gosh yeah it really feels like it it's starts to just up. like feel bad you're like yeah. getting anxiety yes yeah but also Laura's feeling really she's really sweet towards these sisters like she's really happy to see them and seems to really be in a good mood <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that she's hanging out with them yeah John says he doesn't want to join her, but that, you know, you go ahead or maybe he says he'll join her later. No, I think he says he's not going to go at first. And I think maybe he's trying to tell her not to go also like these. We don't know these ladies. Like, who are they? And he says, you should listen to me. And she says with no malice in her voice at all. But this line really struck struck me. She says, I did listen to you. You said, let the children play by the pond. (gasps) Whoa. And he uh, again, this is where I'm, you know, the expectations I have of, you know, a married couple going through grief movies. I'm thinking, OK, here comes like a absolute blowout fight <laughs> or like right. complete devastation. And he takes it in such stride and he, you know, he looks a, a little wounded by it, but he kind of responds with, OK, f- fair enough, you know, go do what you're what you want to do and <laughs> like, well that could have gone much worse <laughs> but it does feel like it 
un, uh, reveals a bit of things backstory there still yep. being dealt with. Yep. So she she goes alone to uh, Wendy and Heather's apartment for tea. Yeah, and then they they kind of have a sort of seance. Ooh. But it's it doesn't go how I expected it to go <laughs> because <laughs> it seems like she wanted it, it seems like she she really wants to kind of communicate with Christine, her daughter again, and that's what Heather says she's going to attempt to do. But then what actually happens? I feel like she the way that I interpreted it is that she's it witnessing the sex that they just had or she's yeah. like t- tapping into to Laura and John's sexual relationship because yep. she basically look Heather starts rubbing her breasts and moaning and she's saying John John and <laughs> and really loud and it's very funny because uh, Laura's watching like as if any moment now Christine is going to be popping through to send her message she just looks like really focused as if it's not like something else like is going on here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not right. Not right. <laughs> and and so she's looking like she's having a full orgasm, moaning, yelling John's name, and everyone's watching. Like, huh? Any moment now, I think we're <laughs> going to huh, get to the okay. The okay, point that, just um, keep an open mind. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere in here, John had gotten worried about Laura and decided he did want to come and and make sure she's okay. So he's downstairs at the apartment, ringing the bell, and then he here's I think what's His going on or maybe he shouted. gets directed to the room yeah but he uh goes up there and hears his name being moaned but then the neighbor comes out and starts screaming at him in Italian to get out of here and so it's just going back and forth between mm. inside the the room and outside and he he does leave but he's he's yeah just confused about what's going on we're confused and so 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 he leaves is there a moment when when heather says that they should leave venice that they're in danger yes so when laura gets back to john she relays that they're that they're in danger and they need to leave that that is what heather has told her um there's also oh oh as so somewhere in that séance scene Laura tells Heather that she's she's taking her back to the day that it happened and relaying it. And she says John got up and ran out as if he knew it was happening, but there's no way he could have known it was happening. And Heather says, matter of factly, like, oh, duh, (laughs) he has the gift as well. And there we go. We have seen John have moments of looking like. He knows things or is seeing things that he can't explain. And so we're now believing that he he has t- tapped into this as well. Do you guys think that that's real? Do you think people, psychics are real? Do you think people can really do this? I don't want to be a bitch about it, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say... Ugh. I th- I can fathom that we c- like there's definitely more happening around us than we can all see 
And I can believe that there are some people who are able to experience more of what's happening around and between us. That makes sense to me. What that means and what that looks like, I don't know. I kind mm-hmm. of am on this. I'm on the same page with you. I think I think that the difference is like I I think that maybe people can pick up on more than what is there, but they can't like predict the future necessarily. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's where well, maybe I mean, the grift comes in with people who are trying to like take advantage of you by like telling yes. you what's going to happen in your but life. But I guess like time isn't linear. It that's just how we experience experience it she says as if she fucking knows oh, so you think, that, you think that people can predict the future well i think i don't think it's predicting the future i think it's just like seeing experiencing it yeah experiencing time in a non-linear way okay okay that's i mean and that's that's only if i'm trying to explain a way in which it could parts of that could be real that i'm like well i do believe that I don't know how it's true and I'll never look into it, but I do like when people say like, yeah, like time isn't linear. So if that's true, there must be some people who it's not like they're predicting what's going to happen. It's just like it already has happened. It already is happening. Yeah. And they can they have they can access that maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, what do you think? But isn't that cool? Like, wouldn't Mm -hmm. that be cool? (laughs) And basically like agnostic about almost everything so <laughs> I, yeah. I i i reserve the right to like you know be convinced one day that it's real mm-hmm. like yeah I, I don't feel any certainty that that it's not and and sometimes i like to think or it helps me to think about um like there's so much that we think of in it's sort of like a, a version of simulation I, theory, I guess. Like, like mm. the the it, it can help me to think about everything as code. Which, again, what the mm. fuck do I know about code? Very little, mm-hmm. actually, probably nothing. But like, <laughs> but like <laughs> that it is. Well, you've seen the Matrix. <laughs> I've seen the Matrix. I've definitely seen that, and I read an article about stuff. But I, <laughs> but I think that like, but it it like we think of certain things as being like organic matter, and our brains as being mm. like. Uh, inherently like organic uh, material but I wonder if there's just like a whole uh, realm of (laughs) reality that we don't um, experience with our regular senses that some people are sort of coded Mm -hmm. to have more permeability with you know Um, yeah in the same way that, I mean, ge- like genes, we talk about genetics as code. And I wonder if some people have um, something that's maybe not observable to <laughs> to a microscope that like, like a portal that's opened, you know? And yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that you're right. I think that that's real. And I wish that there was more research done into this. Um, well, I also think, I think like probably that there yeah that something like that is is true that's like but that i would imagine there are very few people who are accessing that and and so i think the thing that starts to be like well is it bullshit or who it's like when people are pretending the number of people who say they can access it versus i'm sure there are people who can you know what Mm -hmm. i really buy into is or what i believe could be true is when you hear stories of people 
um, with near death experiences or people like on their deathbed seeing things. Mm, like I feel like yeah. something about that really feels more real to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just like we are we are aware that the the universe is so much bigger than we can conceive of. So yeah. like if that's true. Yeah. There's so much more out there than I can process. And I would imagine that people have different, yeah, abilities, skill sets. Uh, yeah. Part of their code. Who knows where there's like, you know, there's so much more to be accessed. So why wouldn't some people have a way to do it? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Also, that's just fun for that to be also yeah true. it's like it's like there's more to life than meets the eye and you want to feel that way day to day i like i like believing in things or leaving room for it because it's like i don't know my isn't that the okay. more interesting choice we need for to, it to like be out there we need to get back to the movie obviously but i just want to mention <laughs> that um um my you guys know this my mom worked for hospice for like 20 mm. years. And so she has so many stories yeah. oh, about, man, yeah. about this. And there was one woman who would come, they had to do a, um, they had to like do, they moved into a new space and they, things kept happening that they felt like were like bad energy. And they secretly brought in a woman cause they didn't want to tell anyone that they were doing this. Cause they thought that people would think that they were like crazy but they yeah, yeah. they Too found woo-woo. someone to come in and like clear the space and the woman walked in and immediately knew like where they were having problems like immediately was like i can tell that like something happened in this room and she was she was like not even from she wasn't from she was from a town over like she wouldn't have known anything that had happened um and the way my mom tells it she was like i was convinced there's something there's something else that people Ooh. are tapping into. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love this kind of stuff. <laughs> it really, yeah. I really, I love thinking about it. I love, yeah. It's it's cool. Well, and so does John know that he has? Has he like felt this before, or is it like John has the sight, but he doesn't? He's not aware of it. I think he's aware that things are happening that he's not really able to explain, but he's maybe not interested in exploring that further maybe in a bit of denial about it or uh, it's it seems like it's those moments are just happening and he's moving on and and okay i realize that uh, i feel like it's kind of a gendered thing too i feel like usually you see women have it and you don't Mm. see men have it yeah that's a good point Totally. And especially because of his skepticism about the sisters and like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems like he's definitely repressing yeah. some key part of himself. Yeah. So they get into what I think is their most, uh, most like a, a, a fight after she comes back and tells him that they need mm-hmm. to leave Venice. And he tells her, or he doesn't tell her actually, she sees that he's like worried about her and and stressed about the things that she's saying and he's maybe not fully believing her and she says should I start taking my pills again am I am I sounding crazy mm. and mm. he basically yes says yeah I think that's a good idea but he he doesn't tell her to do it but she feels that that's maybe what he wants and I think that it is and so we see her grab her pill bottle and pretend to take 
one of her pills. So this is some b- backstory to see that she has gone through a hard time in the past and was previously on medication. And uh, yeah, this is the moment where I felt the most distance between them, where it feels like she can't, right. she's not feeling believed by him. And now she feels like she has to hide things from him. But even this is like still, it's not cruel. Like they're not being cruel to each other. They're still, they're struggling. They're just struggling. Yeah. Yeah. It's very refreshing as a writer to see a movie that doesn't, it doesn't feel like it has to have those scenes that you would expect, you know? Yeah. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to like escalate to a certain place to feel what's going on with them yeah Yeah. and then they get a Mm. phone call that you know that uh their son has been injured so he's been at a boarding school in england Ah. and he's you know it's like you see like the headmaster and the nurse and they're like up late and they're like there's been a serious accident what what happened to him he something I can't remember. But at first you're thinking the worst, obviously, right? Because they've had one child have a a deadly accident. And so they're kind of trying to relay that it's serious, but not too serious. And they, in the Mm -hmm. phone call, seem very stressed about how they're communicating this information. And I can't remember what the accident is. He fell or something He's bonked his head and he has a big old lump on his head. Have you guys as kids ever hit your head like yes, that? Yes, had like a goose egg yeah. on your head. Yes, yes, I've had it as well. Just like a I did that on a merry-go-round when I was in like Ooh. seventh grade. I was too old to have done it on a merry-go-round. And I had like a huge goose egg on my head for the rest of the field trip. And I was so embarrassed, but also kind of like I'd never had one before and kind of intrigued. There, it, I, I remember having one. I can't remember where how I got it, but I I just remember constantly being like, whoa. yeah, like, whoa, like, cool. just being like, well, this is this feels is it only kids that get it for the most or is it more common in kids because of the way like your maybe skull is not so totally solid? Yet? I wonder. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. But yeah, I just because kids get like big. I feel lumps like you see it in kids when they hurt themselves. Not a ton in adults. Mm-hmm. Do they go to the boarding school, or do they the son come home to come to Venice? What do they do? So she she resolves she's going to go there. It's, it's too late to get a flight that night, but she's going to go the very next first thing in the morning. They're calling to arrange a flight, and she's going to go. And he was going to go with her, but then. They decide she'll just go. I think she's she's really insisting that he take time off work because she has gotten this information that he's in danger and needs to leave Venice. But she, yeah, eventually she's like, oh, if you're not going to go, I'm going to go. And so he goes to work and he he does tell her I am. I'm going to take time off, but I need to, you know, right. tell them I need to ask for the time off. I can't just disappear. And so jobs, man. Jobs, I know. Jobs. So, <laughs> just go do what you want. <laughs> um, so yeah, she she gets on an early flight and goes, and he stays and goes back to the church, and he does speak to the bishop or whoever it is that is seems to be kind of in charge of the remodeling that he's doing, and I can't remember if he actually even asks for time off he's starting to seem pretty 
almost dazed and like he's a little less sure of what's happening or what to do. Like he seems like he's always looking around, like, I don't know, yeah, contemplating. Mm. A lot of the editing style seems to be from like stemming from his perspective in a way like he, he um, like, it almost makes me just realizing this now, maybe like the sisters laughing is just like something he imagined because yeah. he's like, mm. sort of imagining the worst case mm. scenario for like Yes. These. That's a good point. Yeah, a lot of the quick cuts seem to be capturing the feeling of a mind that is not at ease and that is like triggered, you know, by mm -hmm. noises and and sights. And yeah, he's he's definitely destabilized, which ties in well to what happens next, which is that he climbs a scaffold to like do a thing up in the. <laughs> yeah, he's putting the... some like mosaic tiles on the roof, uh, the ceiling of the church, and this is where I'm like, oh boy, uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're and having some actors' not, rights. These are violations. wobbly, wiggly scaffolds. <laughs> <laughs> these are not been not secured. meant for climbing. <laughs> yeah, they are moving around a lot, but he seems you know he's just going up to. To do, the his, tippy top. do his task yeah <laughs> and you know obviously what yeah why does why does it collapse it's just show, it's <laughs> like showing all the rickety things and eventually a wood plank breaks off above uh, the ceiling above him and it breaks and there's a good few seconds before so it kind of makes you think did that do anything we saw that happen and then it crashes mm. through the glass pane of the specific uh part of the scaffolding that he's standing on knocks it off uh, so that it collapses the whole structure that he's standing on he grabs a, a rope that's dangling nearby so he's now dangling up a you know probably 15 feet i don't know how tall do you think it is i'm bad at that <laughs> it's up there. 20 it might even be 30 whoa and i'm watching this saying thinking there's no way donald sutherland didn't do this for real and there's like certainly an actor's rights violation happening right here and sure enough i looked it up afterwards and this particular stunt the stunt man refused to do he said it's way too dangerous and yeah, yeah. Donald Sutherland did it himself. I think not having been given the same information that the stuntman was given. No, yeah, the stuntman said you can do it. Actually, <laughs> yeah, can you imagine him and the stuntman? Like, oh, he said, man, he said do yeah, Don Donald's got this one. <laughs> him and the stuntman did not speak until afterwards, and the stuntman basically said because he thought there was some harness that was also holding him so that if he let go of the rope, he'd be fine and be caught by the harness, which is what it should be. But the harness was not attached to anything, apparently. And so the stuntman told him after the fact, if you had let go of the rope, you would have fallen for real. Like there was no. <laughs> Did they put a harness on him at all or just a harness for fun? I think that it was either not connected to any. Yes, he, I think he was wearing a harness, but it was either not connected to anything <laughs> or connected to something that did not have the structural integrity to support his weight. And like so, a placebo harness. Yeah. Like it's like yeah. just to make you feel like you're OK, but uh, it's not actually going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my god! Um, wow. Well, but he he survived, and also he made a, it. a trivia I forgot to say is that Donald Sutherland named one of his sons Roig, and the director's name is Nicholas Roig. So he he <gasps> wow. loved working with Nicholas Roig. It did not sour their relationship. <laughs> Very fun that he named his kid Roig, not Nicholas. (laughs) Roig's kind of a, it's kind of a cool name. It is a cool name. And hey, if you're famous, you can name your kid whatever you want. Kiefer, for example. Uh, But, but, but yeah, he, he's really holding on to that rope. And like, it's a similar sort of sound that he's making when he um, discovered his, his daughter's body in the pond. It's like really just sort of like this primal, like, oh my God. And then, but then he gets finally pulled it's a pretty long sequence of him just like mm-hmm. almost almost dying. Um and also like his body is being like tossed around at other points in this movie too, where I'm like, oh he really like Donald did his own stunts in this movie. Like there's a chase scene later where he's smacking into stuff. Seventies like, oh, man. Really hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was how they did it. <laughs> you get to do it for real. But he he eventually swings the rope. Uh he's he's like making a little swing out of it so that he's able to swing over to a side and someone grabs him and and pulls him up and he is safe and un, unharmed but shaken obviously oh wait i just had to look this up because of what you just said i was like is Kiefer sutherland named after a director too and it turns out he is he's named after warren Kiefer, wow oh. film director from New Jersey. <laughs> interesting. Works, they must have worked together on something. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's very interesting. Wow. Because yeah, now that you mention it, and that is also the thing about you, especially if you hear a name all at once, Kiefer. So I'm never thinking about how his name is Kiefer. Right. Kiefer. Which yeah. is a pretty wild name. Yeah. 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 But I've I've never separated it from Sutherland and I've never thought about it as a name. Right. <laughs> this is my friend Kiefer. <laughs> Here's another kid yeah. whose name is Ros- Rosif. Who's named after the French director Frederick Rosif. Rosif is in uh, the orphan orphan sequel. Yes, the yep. dad. Oh. That's one of his kids. Yep. What? They don't look alike at all to me. Wow. Now I'm gonna really do a deep dive of uh, the Sutherland family. Donald Sutherland's kids. Well, yeah, those are yeah. some unique names. I'm glad yeah. that wasn't. I mean, imagine if it was like Scorsese or like one, like one that was like a super popular director. Scorsese Sutherland. Yeah, Scorsese Sutherland, like walking around, introducing yourself as Scorsese. How would, I don't know. <laughs> that would be tough for That'd the Nepo tough. babies. That would be tough. <laughs> so then he's rattled and he's walking around and something crazy happens. He's, he sees his wife, who just left that morning on a plane, wearing all black on a boat with the two sisters, who are also wearing black. And oh, no. He shouts, he calls out to her, and she doesn't answer. She sort of, they go down a, down a canal. And from that point on, he is activated to figure out what's going on, because he's convinced that his yeah. wife is in Venice, that she didn't actually leave. So he's talking to the police chief. He goes to see the police chief, who seems to be suspicious that this guy, John, might be involved with these like murders that have been happening. Because he sees another, he sees another body being pulled up by the canal. Mm. Sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit. It's okay. The movie starts to really pick up its its pace a little bit. You start to 
you start to feel your heart racing a little bit more and the dread is kind of unbearable at this point. So he's like reporting his wife missing. Saying the two sisters have something to do with it. They have like police sketches of the sisters. But yeah, we see that the detective is certainly suspicious of him Mm -hmm. and being like, okay. And so he tells him, I'm going to, you know, look into this and find the sisters and help you. But he also puts a tail on John. That makes sense. And I think John had told them where the the hotel that the, or John goes to the hotel that the sisters were staying at. Mm -hmm. So he knew where they were. They're no longer there. They've cleared out all their things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's getting really worked up. He's freaked out, whereas his wife doesn't know what's going on. He feels like, oh, there's a moment also where he thought the, I think there's a a, a bit of false relief after the accident at the church where he, because he's, he's, you know, trying to pretend like he doesn't, he's not spooked by being told his life is in danger. Sure. But I feel like there's part of him that's a little bit. Um, worried about it. And I feel like after he falls and survives, he's like, oh, phew, that must have been classic final destination. Death will never get me. Right. Yeah. I already survived it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. But then, but then things start getting bad again. Yeah. He's uh, when when he's searching for the sisters, he sees the girl in the, in the red raincoat again. Uh oh. Always disappearing behind like a wall, like running, like, you know, and if, just for a moment and yeah and then he calls the school and he's like that makes sense i was about to ask like that feels like the the Mm -hmm. thing to do yeah and uh sure enough they put laura on the phone and she's there she made it and their son's fine and she'll come back soon and everything's okay on her end so then it's like okay well why did Mm. he see her because he definitely saw her and we see uh, this just made me laugh as so she's like, yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to get on the next flight back to Venice. And like, I've been here the whole time. And what's like, you sound stressed. Are you OK? And she's like, OK, I'm like, I'm getting ready to go. And she hangs up with him and she's leaving the school. And the headmaster or whatever says, do you want to say goodbye to Johnny? She says, no, I already talked to him. It's fine. And she just like, <laughs> no, he's good. Like, no, I just saw him. It's fine. <laughs> the 70s parenting was different. Even after yeah. you've had one child die. <laughs> yeah. She's like, no, he's fine. He's fine. I gotta go. Yeah. Then we see that Heather is in mm. police custody at uh, the you know, following the the reports of that John sure. has made, and so little he was a little hasty on on that. It would mm, seem mm-hmm. perhaps yeah. you should yeah. call the school before uh, blaming a woman, blaming a missing, putting out a missing person's report. Exactly, and she's really upset. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't know where my sister is. I don't know why I'm here. Uh-huh. She's like in this like interrogation room that's really drab and scary, and she's like she's. She's really in a state. And so he feels really bad. And he's he like takes her by the arm. He's like, I'm gonna walk you home. We're gonna find your sister. It's gonna be okay. He's being really nice, um, walking with her. They get they get home. The sister is there back at the new hotel. She's basically like, Oh, we had to stay at the new hotel for a, a, a normal reason. Like they right, right, we right, couldn't right. stay at that one anymore. <laughs> so it's like not for a suspicious reason. Everything is you know, it's it's not sinister, and the sister is at home and was worried, and and so they are uh, back together. And she's like, "Thank you for bringing her home." And as John is 
leaving. And also simultaneously, we see that Laura has arrived back and is, I think, told that he is like the address that he's at. There's a little bit of uh, they're again, trying to track each other down and, you know, no cell phones. And so it's, again, the feeling of kind of getting lost and not knowing where the other person is and a bit of urgency to it. So we're a little stressed, like, why, when are they going to find each other? So as he's leaving the sisters, Heather starts having what looks like kind of a a fit, uh, almost a seizure. And the, her sister, Wendy is like putting her hand in her mouth and, and Mm. John is seeing this and she's like, it's okay. It's okay. Like this happens, like, go, you're fine. He's walking out looking flustered and stressed and, uh, he gets down into the alleyways just as Heather kind of comes back to, and she starts freaking out about where is John? Fet- mm. She says, fetch <gasps> him back, fetch him back, fetch mm-hmm. him back. Overwhelmed, uh, screaming, uh, screaming, screaming, yeah. So the other sister tries to fetch him back and can't. He's too far. He's he's done the alleyways. He's he's out of earshot. Uh-oh. But then Laura's, Laura runs up and she goes into the apartment, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're also just saying he was just here and he left and we need to find him. Yeah. So then Laura goes back out to try to find him and there's this kind of pursuit happening in the streets where he's now seeing the girl in the red coat again and chasing her. Laura, I think, I don't know that she can see him, but she's like going in the direction he she thinks he is. She's like far, kind of far behind him, but going the right way. And this chase goes across the canals. He sees the girl in the red coat on the other side of the canal. He's trying to balance in little gondolas to cross the canal. And neighbors are coming out. And presumably the people who own the gondolas are like yelling, what the fuck are you doing? Get out of there. And he's basically, you stole my car. (laughs) (laughs) But there is one Italian man who seems it seems to not even be about the gondolas. He's like, really, it seems like he's really trying to get John to stop what he's doing um, oh like panicking he's like yeah he's like in, yeah that's what that's the impression i got anyway because at first i was like oh he's mad about the gondolas and then it's like mm. oh no he's trying to help him yeah um, Ooh. Ooh. yeah that's really freaky that's kind of cool though again that it like can probably be interpreted either way because we're not seeing those subtitles so we don't know what he's yelling he's just like yeah. yelling something yeah at him but yeah. yeah, that's a that's a really good point that he is probably just like what you're doing is not safe and you should not be, you know, jumping around in the gondolas from gondola to gondola in the canals. Yeah. Or you should like, be going after that I, red that girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Because then John chases her into this like courtyard and he closes the gate behind him and locks it so that no <gasps> one can can get in and it's such a strange thing to do oh i think it's because he doesn't want the girl in the red coat to get out he's like uh, trying to corner corner her so that he can make sure that he's able to catch up with her though i'm not obviously sure of the full layout of the place there might be another exit right sure but either way not a not a great also she's the result of that makes it so that yeah no one can follow him so laura does get to that gate and then can't get in follow any further right and so then he goes, <laughs> he goes up these stairs. It's dark. Uh, 
he really wants to talk to this to this girl in this raincoat. He finally gets to this place where she seems to be crying in the shadows. And he's trying to get her to turn around and talk to him. Oh, God, oh, Saying, God. I'm a friend, I'm a friend, it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Laura, say and, <laughs> and the movie ends. <laughs> the end. The end. That's what it. is about to happen? The way the two of you are hanging on the <laughs> edge of the cliff of this moment. What is about to happen? Oh well, there's a siren, so I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> oh my god! What happens? Do you want me to say? Say it. What is it? So so he gets up to this little girl. She turns around and it is not a little girl. It is a little person, a woman, a seemingly older woman. And she turns around and like looks at him very like menacingly, pulls a fucking like butcher knife out and slashes his neck. (gasps) What the fuck? My God. Like like chops into him like, yeah, like a tree (gasps) trunk. What? The actual fuck? Have we seen this woman before? Well, we have. Well, we we've just seen, didn't know that she was. We didn't know. <laughs> Is this the serial killer? She's the serial killer. There have been people getting <gasps> killed by a little woman. What? Oh, who and is this he- woman? Poor blood is poor. It's <gasps> the blood is absolutely neon red. I loved the color of the blood just pouring out of his neck. He collapses and he makes some really wild sounds like he, his set his 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 uh, voice work in this is extraordinary <laughs> incredible absolutely incredible and as he is dying or maybe it's after he has died although i think he realizes this as well that what that when he saw laura and the two women in black on the gondola, it was his, his funeral. funeral. Yeah. And so we see that play oh. out now in real time. He was having a vision. Yep. And his Damn. mind is going to all all these different places, going back to the cottage, going like, you know, the editing goes a little wild. Oh. Yeah. You're going back to that photograph with the red, you know, that looked like blood Streak. on the... Yeah, exactly. And like the feeling that the the haunting of the red raincoat was actually like a foreshadowing of the, the the way that he would die that he like sought out his own right death in a and way when he Whoa. when he says i know this place earlier in the movie it's the place that <gasps> it's he dies because he knows it in the future do you think that when he has that shock in the beginning it's him kind of also like knowing that he's gonna die too partially in a way possibly But I think there's also some ambiguity to this person being the serial killer because all of the things that we've seen before have been drownings and that like Mm, serial killer's MO seems to have been drowning people. That's true. And so unless she was just dumping bodies in the canals. Yes. Yes. It doesn't um I think fully Did they not have knife wounds? I can't remember now, but I just saw some kind of debate over whether or not she's Mm. The serial killer, but that wow. I mean that would I think, you know, obviously make the most sense. But but yeah, maybe there's a sort of supernatural element of like he yeah sort of was seeking 
out his own. But yeah. also, like, why the F was the serial yeah. killer wearing the same outfit as his dead daughter? It's a great like, question. Is it just a, co- just a coincidence? <laughs> just, like, a fun coincidence for him? That sucks. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> Man, that really, <laughs> that really that sucks. serial killer just had a different outfit that is choice. Just not... It would have, it would have caused a lot less confusion. Yeah. Yeah. She did. I was going to say maybe she kills him because, you know, he's a scary man, like following her and then locking a gate behind him. Yes. And, and he's been like running after her for yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Could be, could be that. Could, she's probably, she could be also scared of the serial he, like, killer. Locked her on in. The loose. Yeah. Exactly. But she does look pretty happy to put that next to She thing. does. She, she looks is prepared with a butcher knife. Yeah, have yes. a butcher knife on your person. Big yeah. big red coat and butcher knife feels like <laughs> suspicious. suspicious. But I mean, she know the, to, again. Just she she would know that there was a serial killer in the loose, so she could have, for her own protection, just be carrying that around all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh. Oh my. Well, and then it makes me wonder too. The person who was warning him, or maybe warning him about the gondola or you know could have could have seen this woman mm. before and thought like no no you're going towards the killer perhaps mm-hmm. there's a lot of Lots ambiguity of to interpret in it which is cool but on the whole i did not expect that to be no what happened be crazy if you did <laughs> yeah. he sees so then we see the funeral happening and then roll credits basically yeah. yep, the credits exactly. roll over the funeral wow yeah Wow, Laura's had a tough go of it. Yeah, it's really tough for Laura. Mm-hmm. She has, but she, I will say one final note of eeriness. She looks, her face, it's a very interesting face that she's making at the end. Because it's not, they, he's, the director spends a lot of time on her face when she's on the funeral boat. And she, I mean, she's been a very resilient, emotionally resilient, strong character this whole time. But they, she looks a little peaceful about it i think mm. yeah i thought that as well mm-hmm. mm. wow that's interesting it, she's clearly found some something in these sisters and perhaps this is like a this is the path of her life now yeah it's like and she's perhaps found m- more peace in this version mm-hmm. she is still able to communicate communicate with john yeah Right. With oh, through, through, through them. heather and so maybe the peace that she could find with her daughter, um, she can find with him similarly too. able to do with John. Wow. Whoa, that was. I like how it tied back to the beginning. The hint that, you yeah. know, that was a, mm-hmm. that's like an interesting pattern in a way or an interesting setup to have him like. I mean, it goes back to your time is not linear thing. Emily, I mean, mm-hmm. you kind of hit the nail on the head. He there. didn't see the future. He just he just was aware. He was seeing it all like overlapping. Mm-hmm. It's like um, it's just like annihilation. That's what it's called, right? It's like- just like annihilation. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that was that was really good. Oh well. And you guys did a very you. good job of conveying the feeling of dread mm-hmm. as we built up. I don't know that I've ever been more the anticipation of that reveal was like I, I very felt stressful. very tense yeah <laughs> very stressful great it's, it's quite shocking yeah yeah and I just thought it was interesting I looked up afterwards like why is it called don't look now um, oh yeah and 
I didn't catch this, but I, I guess it's a line in the movie where he, when they're first in the restaurant with the two sisters, he says to Laura, don't look now, but those two women are, um, I don't know, they're like doing something when they have the thing in their eye. And uh, hmm. I thought that was an interesting title hmm. for the movie because it kind of makes me think of He's how not just... Looking at- or just like these small moments of chance can lead to, you know, your death, your death, your fate. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if that's exactly what it means, but just think it's an interesting title. Yeah, because I'm also thinking about the title, like "Don't Look Now," as in like don't believe what you're seeing or something. Like he shouldn't have chased after the serial killer. Right. I think, yeah, the the kind of takeaway or one of the takeaways that I get is just this basically chasing of your grief or your past and Mm -hmm. the dangers of that. So, yeah, I think that's part of it for sure. What was your different feeling about it this time, Sammy, than the first time you saw it? Kind of similarly to... David Lynch films where I just feel like I wasn't fully ready for it as a Mm. 19 year old where I just was a little bored and especially after Descent and Texas Chainsaw Massacre which are so like kind of non-stop so that was the order you watched this one I can't remember what the order was but Mm. that would be a weird choice I think this was was last. last yes I think it was and I think it's just a very different horror movie from those two. Yeah. And I wasn't like ready for this type of horror movie at the time. Not that I didn't like it. I just didn't fully get it as much as um, I it, like it didn't resonate with me as much as it does mm-hmm. now. And. Yeah, so that's. Mm. Why it's sometimes cool wow. to rewatch movies because you're you change yeah. and your perception of stories change as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank wow. you so much, thank Will. You guys for thank covering you so, this. So, yeah. so, so, so oh, much. No, thank you. I was meaning to rewatch it anyway, so it was very convenient. Great. That's good. That's good. I bet you're watching lots of horror movies right now. Um, um, so you're a writer on our favorite TV show, <laughs> Succession. Yeah. So the world's favorite TV show, I think. It's, it's a lot of people's favorite. Mm, that's for sure. The best TV show on television. Um, pretty huge. How are you feeling about it being over? It's it's almost to the end. Yeah. By the time this comes out, it will have ended. Oh my god! Oh. You're right. Wow. It will be. We will all be dealing with our own grief. Yeah. Of it. Yes. We were. We will be grieving succession. See. Yeah. Oh my god. But also, I feel like it's so smart that it it's ending. Um, yeah. Now it feels like the right time. But what was your experience like writing on the show and? What was that like? It was really cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it was super cool and fun and chill. And <laughs> rad. <laughs> no, I was, now, that's uh, a job that I that I would stand behind. Yeah. If you have to have a job, you know. You, yeah. Can you can you tell us any of the like nuts and bolts of it in terms of like were you guys all in a room together? How long did it take? What was it sure. actually like figuring out who would write each episode? Like Yeah. How did it work? Sure, yeah. It was so the the writers room was in London. Um okay. that's Oh, that's interesting. Where, oh, Jesse. Yeah. Jesse, but also a lot of the writers 
the majority of the writers in that room are British. So um, there's a handful of Americans, but yeah. um, So, and I had worked a little bit on season three as well after my play Heroes of the Fourth Turning came out or it was in production and a lot of the, or a few of the writers had seen it and some of the producers. And so I was like very fortunate to get asked to come for like the last month of that room in in early 2020, like right before the pandemic, I was there as like an executive consultant um, was my title, I guess. Um, But mostly I was just sitting there being like, this is so cool that I'm here. I'm so nervous. yeah and and it was also cool because it was right on the heels of my play where um the actress zoe winters who plays the character of carrie on the show oh my god we love carrie yeah she was in my play genius and she she was like the you know one of the lead roles in the play and played this very um intense conservative young woman and that they they had a lot of them had seen her in that and she had already been in the show as Logan's assistant um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think there's this general feeling of like she is really good we gotta mm-hmm. make that role bigger so I was sort of seeing that happen in real time and it I felt oh that's, oh, that's so awesome. cool yeah, it was such a cool feeling <laughs> she's spectacular oh yeah yeah she's such a star oh my god um, and then yeah and then the pandemic happened but then <laughs> you know yeah. I, mm-hmm. heard of it I was really fortunate to to be asked back for season four as a full, you know, like writer, producer on the show. And there was no guarantee that I would get an episode. But yeah, I was there from the from the beginning of the writer's room um, in January of last year. I was there in London for four months and, you know, showed up there every day except Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> it was like my little day job for a while. <laughs> And yeah. um yeah, and then shortly before I left because I had to get back to New York a little early to work on a play that was going up. But he, Jesse asked me if I wanted to co-write one of the episodes, and I was of course like, Yes, I would love to. Um so and it was also really meaningful to me because I had been so overwhelmingly nervous, even more so this time, because I felt like my job was more real and official and they just have such a bit like a, such a long rapport with each other. Like they, most of them have been mm-hmm. working on the show from the beginning. And even before the show, they, you know, they were making shows like peep show or movies like yeah. in the loop or the thick of it. Like they just, a lot of these people went back years and years. And so it was, it was intimidating to break into that. Plus they're all just geniuses and they're so funny and they're British, like they're British, which is a whole different and set they're of British. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah. They're all British, which, which is, is really just different. It's, yeah. It's there. They, and they've skewered the U S so accurately as mm-hmm. people who are not even U S citizens. They're damn, they're good at it. They're good at it. They're good at it. Just a heads up, there are some light succession spoilers coming up. So if you're not caught up with the show, you're going to want to skip ahead about four minutes. So, yeah, it was a process of getting comfortable enough to to really contribute. <laughs> but, yeah. but, it was, but, but once I started just like calming down and just listening to what was actually going on and not just the monologue in my own head about whether I was talking enough... Um, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was so much fun. You know, it was, it was, it was hard work. Like it was, um, Jesse is a genius and extremely rigorous about, um, mm. every idea, every plot point. Um, so he, he does like so many stress tests on each like major idea, um, including, you know, in this case, like does Logan have to die this season? If so, mm-hmm. what episode, um, and, mm-hmm. and just going, so going around that idea so many times and trying to, um, nail down what the most effective one would be. Also a lot of stress tests against the idea of this being the last season. Yeah. That's a lot of specific pressure i would imagine to like when to be in the room totally and like you know the the timeline of the season is so compressed um yes uh, you know it's all happening like <laughs> there's so much happening in the course of like 10 days and mm-hmm. and yeah a lot of questions about whether that was sustainable and then like you know how 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 soon after the action in season three do we pick up you know and um uh, things like that. So, it, but it was, it was really, really fun. You know, I, I knew almost nothing about business going into it. I think I literally had to Google like, what is a board? <laughs> like, what is a board? <laughs> yeah. Yes. We've talked about that a lot in talking about the show of like, man, business, huh? Yeah. There's just a lot of yeah, stuff. There's a lot of stuff just going right over our heads. Like, sure, sure, huh. sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Deals, 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 yes. deals. deals. And your and and the episode that you wrote was Living Plus the season yeah. or the right mm. and that was such a that you must have had to learn so much about product launches as well and <laughs> yeah um, there's a great consultant on the show named Marissa Mayer who would come in and like help us with um you know any questions that we might have and she would she's she's been a like uh, uh you know kind of business journalist for a long time and she so she was very very helpful always available to talk things through or give like specific or tell us what's unrealistic um and then you know on top of that i was like trying to listen to podcasts about it my girlfriend is like much more aware of the business world like she got her you know mba at wharton and she knows a lot of these kinds of people and has done product launches so she was super helpful um very cool yeah and but all that being said i still like <laughs> yeah i never felt <laughs> secure in in any of that <laughs> stuff when i was writing it it was always just really ah, yeah. i hope this is <laughs> fingers <laughs> crossed yeah. and it's all changing all the time too like it's all getting revised yeah. and um updated um, I, I guess one thing working in your favor is that, I mean, Kendall has no idea how to do a fucking product launch either. So, um, <laughs> totally. yeah. he ends up doing a great job, but, um, no, no spoilers, but, um, I feel like <laughs> that it's almost like to a certain degree irrelevant to what's more important, just is how it, the character. Yeah, as a viewer, I feel like the show isn't about business business is just like happening mm-hmm. as a means to like get our characters through their lives but it's like i it's about them mm-hmm. though sometimes i am like okay sure i'll take your word for it <laughs> that this is how this goes <laughs> yeah jesse really does you know his homework on all of that mm-hmm. yeah how many how many types of consultants do you guys have? Because I know there's wealth consultants, political consultants, business consultants. I'm I'm always very impressed by yeah exactly all that like the sheer amount of attention to detail and like wanting experts. to get it right and experts that are involved. 
I'm very curious about the wealth consultants and just, I guess not curious about, I mean, I get it, but it's just so, it's so interesting to me that that's a title, wealth consultant. And how does one even become a wealth consultant? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I don't know if it's, I I think, I don't think it's like an official job. It's like someone knew (laughs) someone who knew someone who might be really helpful to talk to. And over the Uh course of the of the show yeah they they prove to be like reliable and and have it's it's so much of that is like in the details like what what the characters wouldn't do because we're all sort of like shelby mm. writers who you know uh-huh. like, and and right. what size purse would be exactly. absurd exactly. not capacious yeah. the one that i yeah. remember hearing is when they got off the helicopters i think somebody ducked to to avoid the blades and the wealth consultant said a rich person w- would not do that because they'd have so much experience getting off a helicopter that they would know that they would not be in any danger of being decapitated exactly a very interesting detail Exactly. Yeah. Guys are really doing your homework. Very impressive. Very impressive. I think the show also like intersects with the the world that it's depicting sometimes, like especially when you go to to um cool like European locations. And I think I think some of the anecdotes or some of the like details in especially the first episode of this season when Tom is mercilessly making fun of Greg's date. Um, not just the, the ludicrous, ludicrously capacious bag, but also like that she's like eating all the canapes and like using the, using the hand towels in the bathroom and like all, all these things that like to a normal person, like, of course you would eat the appetizers. And They're here. What, what towels am I supposed to use? Yeah. Um, but that all came from like, I, I mean, not all of it, but some of that came from, the real like the writers of succession like um learning that from the wealth consultant in italy when they were doing the italy stuff in season three and Mm. um and feeling like actively like shamed about certain things Um, (laughs) i mean truly that that episode in particular it's truly i'm like oh this is my worst nightmare for showing up at a party is like doing everybody laughing at you so obviously out of place like (laughs) yeah yeah loading up your plate too much does she know she can go back for seconds load up my plate (laughs) i bet those snacks are amazing are you kidding me um i'm curious do you have a favorite character (gasps) um i could see how it might be hard to have a favorite character when you have to know them all and think about them all so much that you would probably just love them all oh you know don't make me choose type of thing <laughs> i do yeah i i i do You're like a favorite to write for i really there, i mean maybe this is just because my episode centered on on kendall so much but um but i do find his like when you're thinking of a, a character's more sweeping arcs throughout the series i find kendall's particularly um fun to lock into i mean he has mm-hmm. you know the the most kind of um big tragic protagonist things happen to him consistently throughout yeah. the show so when when you're like zooming out and thinking what can i do like for me it was like putting him in the water at the end of the episode yeah. and having that be a moment of like rebirth um you know because everyone on the mm-hmm. internet was like looking at that still from the show and being like oh my gosh something terrible is going to happen he's in the mm-hmm. water again which i was very aware right. of when writing it like when coming up with the idea was like yeah that's that's actually why this should happen here because it's, it's his high point and 
um, and to see him sort of redefining his own relationship to this trauma. Um, mm. uh, so that was just, yeah, in terms of like big gestures, um, I find him fun to write for, but in terms of like, I, my, my co-writer, Georgia Pritchett on the episode, she has a real affinity for Roman. And, um, I kind of caught that bug too, when we were working mm-hmm. on it, cause he is really fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah. And his, I would say this season in particular. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. And then, and then I also know that, that, you know, everyone, everyone just adores Matthew McFadden and, and Sarah Snook, mm-hmm. um, as, mm-hmm. as humans and actors on that show. Like they just, there's something really special happening there and, and they're, they're all, you know, any scenes between them or <laughs> obviously saying like every mm-hmm. character is fun to write for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. That's why it's so goddamn good. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have a list of like insult doc? I, I, like a full, I feel like there should be <laughs> just all the insults compiled into one place. I mean, they're mostly. Somebody's done that on the internet. Somebody has to have fucks. a super, a super cut. I'm sure that exists. I've seen I need to things. see it. Yeah. Yeah. I need to see it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's hard not to want to ask 10,000 questions because it's yeah, just thank you for so, thank you for indulging, indulging us. us. Oh, we, of uh, yeah. I can't believe that when this episode comes out, it'll be over. It'll be over. It'll That's be so over. sad. I'll know how it ends. Time is fleeting, you guys. I feel like it just <laughs> started. Well, it's all happening at the same time. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Time is... And if we can find a way to access right. all of it, succession will never end. That's it wasn't true. coded that way. <laughs> and it also has always been over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. So true. <laughs> I also... I will say that it rewards a rewatch because having done that, like yes, I'm rewatching it right now as well, and I concur. It's really there's a lot, you know, there's there's a lot of rewards to doing that. So I feel mm. like that's a clue he just gave us. He just gave us a clue. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the time this comes out, it won't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, will do you have anything anything else you'd like to plug, or do you want to tell our listeners where they could find you if they want to? follow you anything like that um well i'm on strike so like you know there's not much (laughs) to plug at the moment not much going on um i did get commissioned to write the libretto for an opera for the met so in (gasps) if you happen to be in new york in the year 2028 you might be holy shit plan ahead plan ahead that's a year that i have not heard discussed yet i think it's the first time i've had somebody bring up they plan that far in advance that's so far in advance i couldn't believe my ears i like went in for this meeting i was like meeting the you know the head of the met and like it was becoming official and they were like yeah so like the the 2028 season and i was like uh-huh <laughs> yeah. oh, <laughs> can't wait. yes i i think that far out of course obviously let yeah. me check if i'm available 2028 you said yeah so you actually need that. to have a five-year plan if you're if you're like working for the, if met. You're the met yeah and if you're working true. for them too yeah Oh yeah. Okay, so mark your cows. <laughs> okay. Big year. Okay. Okay. That's what we're working with. Wow, that's yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, but it's cool. It's a well, cool time to to uh yeah. The strike is the strike is cool and I hope good things come out of it. And I Me too. Yeah. Me too. I hope so as well. Yeah. AI could never fucking write succession. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. Don't do that to us. I know. Yeah. Pay the people yeah. what they deserve. 
Yeah. yeah. Netflix. Art is important. Looking yeah. at you. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for coming thank on. You. Well, thank you. Well, this was, was so a good real treat. It's so good to see you. Thank you. We always end each episode with an accent. And we know which and one we have to do, Trini. we have to do hippie, hippie, hippie. Hippie, uh, Sue, Vitty, hippie. You don't have to be sad. Uh, you can be hippie. All our children are Sue and hippie. <laughs> <laughs> so from all of us here at Too Scary Didn't Watch. <laughs> kind of Mary Poppins-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really want to make our day, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can also follow us on social media at TSDW Podcast. We are on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want even more content, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast. We will be back next week with a regular episode. We love you a lot. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.